Wherever cancer is, Hancock Health will fight. In any part of you and in all corners of East Central Indiana. From Indianapolis to Greenfield to Knightstown and beyond. From hospital rooms to family rooms, we fight. With technology and medicine. With care backed by the wisdom of Mayo Clinic. For you, for your family, and for your future. We fight cancer here. HancockHealth.org slash cancer. Good morning. It is Thursday, February 22nd, five minutes after 11. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. And this morning, many people woke up to their cell phone being out. AT&T reporting that uh, there has been a large outage. But AT&T was not the only provider that was affected. It also happened with Cricket Wireless, uh, Consumer Cellular, T-Mobile, Boost Mobile, U.S. Cellular, Straight Talk, and also First Net. Of course, AT&T says that they are working urgently to fix the problem. It's also being reported that a solar flare occurred at uh, 3.32 this morning, if you want to believe that report, that that's why it went down. Well, it is interesting. They first reported the outages at 4 Mm a.m., and it obviously grew over time. Now, does it mean more people lost at lost service or these were just people who were up as they got up realized they right. didn't have service obviously at and is gonna have to come up with some sort of answer for this because it appears to be a a huge issue and one that hasn't been at least the last reporting i checked totally resolved yet it is a reminder though the dependency we have now and it, it, if you want to kind of extrapolate this like what if the power grid were to go down mm-hmm. i mean think about we are it's things that we never think about and we don't put any priority on because they just always work. And it's like, what if it didn't? Yeah, it's always there for what you. What if it didn't? Right. Do you have a plan? Do you have a plan? And in case of emergency, where your family will get together and all be safe and meet? Uh, your house, because you have a huge house. So mm-hmm. there'd be plenty of room for Jason and myself and my family. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, one of the wings of your mansion. Right. There, and we'll make sure we West keep side. the pantry stocked. Isn't that crazy, though, that that's something that you need to consider? Uh, yes, but it's very, uh, it's something everybody should. And, um, luckily, as we said, we shop at Costco now, so we get 93 of everything and my wife eats one of them and I have to eat the rest of them. So we'll be, (laughs) we'll be just fine. Hey, let's talk about, uh, Commander Biden. That's, that's the dog. Oh, I thought you meant Commander Joe Biden. No, I'm talking about the... Is, that, yeah, the, is the, that the one that bit all the people? That is the one that bit everybody. Oh. A new report came out that said that that dog, there were 24 different incidents at the White How House. How many? 24, where the dog bit or attacked members of the Secret Does Service. Say how old this dog is? It was a puppy. They just got it oh, because yeah, right. their first dog was major. And there were pictures that's... of him and Jill, of Joe and Jill Biden playing fetch with it on the beach while it was a puppy. That is crazy. Okay, my English bulldog, Bruce, is nine and a half years old, and I am by no means the world's greatest dog parent. I freely admit that I am a a fail in many areas. However, in the nine and a half years that Bruce has been, you said what, this dog is 24 times? 24 times, and the dog was a puppy when he joined the Biden family in December of 21. I can't ever think of a time Bruce has bitten anyone that didn't involve you sticking food in his face. Now, Mm -hmm. it is the jaws of death when you put a treat or food in front of that dog, but that's the relationship you have with the animal. Like, you know, you got to keep your hand. One time he he tried to eat a whole giant bone 
and that was my fault for giving it to him, and I had to pull the thing out, and I got my finger bit, but that was because he was choking. Other than that, though, I cannot think in Bruce's entire life where he has actually bit someone that didn't involve food being in front of his face. But you spent a lot of time with Bruce. Well, that's true. And, and you got to wonder how much time they actually spend with this dog at the White House. Is it there for a prop, or is it actually getting love that an animal needs so it's acting out? So, yeah. what, there's the saying, there's no bad dogs, just bad dog owners? That's got to be it. I mean, I think animals are inherently good creatures. And I think, like, even pit bulls. Look, there's a certain aggressive nature in dogs, and some dogs are, like, obviously, my English bulldog was more, is a more dominant dog than your your schnauzer, right? Mm. Uh, it's just, like, just the nature of the dog. And, but in terms of, I think dogs are inherently good animals and take on the um, characteristics of their owners. Like, my dog is a, spitting image of me he is the dog version of me he is a lovable wacky goofball mm -hmm. who just tries to dominate everything he comes in contact with but it's never in an aggressive fashion he's never mean he would you know i would be totally comfortable i let him walk up to my baby i'm there but he never just sniffs and says hello and yeah. goes on his merry way i think but I, and, and uh, but i just think animals are reflections to his point of the owners or the care that they get from their owners. The reason that this is coming back out is because a Freedom of Information Act was uh, requested uh, about all of the different attacks that this dog had done oh. at the White House. And uh, there were some agents that were filing workplace safety concerns. Yeah. And there were many just different issues, how the dog lunged and oh, yeah, was uh, going to attack some of the Secret Service. And eventually the Secret Service had to figure out workarounds around the dog. I mean, their job is to keep the president safe as they protect the Constitution. Uh, and then they have to work around this dog that is not under proper supervision. Well, and there's a difference between a dog being, like, again, with Bruce. If someone comes in the house, he wants to run right up to them and say, love me, love me, love me, love me, love me, and he will be your best friend. But there's a difference between that and a dog being aggressive and being mean and biting people, and that is a reflection the, the breed is going to behave the way the like if any time if you were to go in somewhere and an English bulldog is there, that's how they would behave if they're treated decently because they're inherently good with kids. They're inherently good with people. They love being around people and they're going to be up on you and be like, yeah, 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 yeah. Love me, love me, love me. But there's a difference between that and biting someone or being mm -hmm. aggressive with them or being mean with them. Or jumping up on them. Right. And um, I guess the topic of the dog's behavior is a very sensitive subject to the Bidens and their but Jason's staff. Right. It's a reflection of the owner of the mm -hmm. dog. Mm -hmm. He's uh, the dog was still prominently figured in all of the holiday decor this yeah, past Christmas see, that's why they have in the, the White dog. House. But the dog no longer lives there. See, he has been transferred now out of the White House because of these safety concerns. And, but, and didn't they have another dog that had similar issues with this? I mean, this isn't the first dog of my memories. I mean, it's just like, dude, why do you have animals if you're not going to, you know, at least take care of them and make sure they're... Well, in his defense, he's around the Bidens all day. It's true. So. It's a good point. You know. And I did just mention how the dog was uh, prominently figured in all of the well, White you, House decorations and the cards and everything. The, you hit the nail on the head. It's an example of somebody who wants a dog as a prop rather than to actually 
love and care and take care of an animal, which is what you should do if you bring an animal into your home because they are, I mean, they're not people, but they're like people and they're part of the, of the, of the family. I don't know. I feel like dogs many times are like perpetual furry children. They are. And they're loving. They are. I will if say they're that, loved, they're loved. I will say this though. And I used to say that a lot. And now having had a child, it's not even close. It's like, it's not even the same thing and i get somebody's gonna hear that be very angry at me because dogs are wonderful and Mm -hmm. they're great parts of the family but i'm telling you having now conceived and am raising an actual child i used to believe that too Mm -hmm. these two things are not the same they're not the same this is not the same picture this is not the same picture and uh but it is uh it, it does hurt your heart though when you lose one. Like I have never, That's for sure. I have never ever uh, worried about leaving Bruce by himself for a long period of time. However, uh, I am you would co- have concerns am, about lo- leaving I, a baby. Some, look, there's someone watching my child from my family, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, mm-hmm. and I am constantly worried. Not because I think those people are not capable of doing it. But that's what you do when you're a parent of a human being. All right, we've got a guest who's going to join us next. Yes, okay, so we always do this thing about uh, Rob likes and good news mm-hmm. and whatever. So today I thought we would talk to someone I like because oh, that's so rare. And fantastic. There's, there's so few politicians. Uh, is there anyone you like? And yes, there are a handful of people, mm-hmm. and one of them is a very good friend of mine. He's a former congressman. He's actually running for Congress again. He should have been a senator when Todd Young didn't get those signatures. Uh, The great Marlon Stutzman, who's trying to make a political comeback up in the 3rd Congressional District, he's going to be in studio with us next. It's on the way from 93 WIBC. Hello, listeners. It is Rob from my friends at Life Church. You know, over the years, many WIBC listeners have found a home at Life Church, and that is because at Life Church, you are so much more than just a number. Life Church is warm, they are welcoming, and they would love the opportunity to meet you, a WIBC listener, this Sunday. They make it super simple for you. Life Church has campuses all across central Indiana, Noblesville, Fishers, Eagle Creek, Pendleton, and they've got incredible online services. So if you just want to try it out and don't want to even leave the comfort of your own home, you can do it that way too. Learn more about it all. LifeChurchIN.com. Good morning. It is 17 minutes after 11. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. And we have a very special guest in studio. You know, I get asked all the time, Casey, is there anybody in politics you like? And there are a handful. And a campaign that uh, taught me a lot about who the Indiana Republican Party is mm-hmm. and how the things work. And uh, just a great guy, former congressman, running for Congress again now in the 3rd Congressional District. Marlon Stutzman, hello. Kendall, great to be with you, actually in studio for once. Yeah, it's so, um, do you ever sit back, and I was talking with somebody about this the other day, I said, you should be a senator right now, like a U.S. senator. Think about the damage you could be doing in Washington, D.C., and how much better all of our lives would be if we had you in there <laughs> instead of Todd Young. <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, the damage is being done to us yeah. rather than to Washington. So yeah. <laughs> that's why I'm running again, because it's only gotten worse since we worked together back in 2016. Hey, Marlon, uh, you and I have something in common. We both work with Rob Kendall. <laughs> <laughs> Mar- that's the top are you of in the, su- are you the, in the support group, too? 
Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, recovery. Yeah, the recovery group. Uh, so uh, tell me, I, this isn't about you. This is about him. What was it like for you to work with him? Uh, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know that yeah. question was You coming. know if he starts with, you know what? <laughs> Kendall said there were no trap questions, mm -hmm. but uh, he didn't say Casey. <laughs> <laughs> right. I like how he's not answering that. Yeah. It's okay. We'll keep it for No, late. we had a great time. Yeah, I mean, really, 2016 was such a, I mean, it was a fun cycle because the presidential primary got to Indiana with uh, Trump and Cruz and yeah. Rubio is still kind of, you know, out there. And then uh, of course we were just trying to shake the trees as much as we could to get the Stutzman name out there. But uh, Mitch McConnell stepped yeah. in front of that. Mitch McConnell spent, it was something like $3 million against Marlon. Eight. It was not, an eight. Not, oh, not, I was not, totally not, underscored that. Wow. Counting. No, uh, I, you know. Okay. So let's talk, you're running again. Obviously you went and you were a farmer by trade yeah. and you went back to being a farmer and you guys, purchased a like a dinner theater type of thing for a while and then why did you decide to run again for congress all these years later well, well first of all you know you go from being a farmer truck driver politician then a restaurateur <laughs> i don't know what god really is trying to do to me but but no you know um it, it's been eight years and i've been back in the private sector back in business you know we still have our farm our family's been very, very fortunate. We, we get to work together. That's one of the things that I count as a, as a blessing. But, um, you know, we did buy a dinner theater in February of 2020, uh, right before yeah. Chinese virus. Talk about a bad business move, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what my wife tells me. And, um, <clears throat> but uh, anyway, uh, but it, I tell you what, it's been the, the lessons and the experiences that I'm having are are really valuable um, because first of all, I know how hard people work in restaurants. Yeah, I know how hard people work in the theater. I know how hard people work just to make it. You know, from week to week, they're raising their families, and life's hard. And uh, and so you know, being in that particular industry through COVID, through inflation, through labor shortages, all of that, and then government just continually, we saw it every time, Kendall. Every time the uh, the state came out with a new yeah. regulation. We just saw the uh, the traffic just decline. Now, Casey is from your neck of the woods, mm -hmm. and so I'm sure she has some just very, very tough questions for you. Are you ta you're talking about Amish Acres in yes. Napanee. Yes, yeah, it is there. the old Amish Acres property. Yeah. We now call it the Barns at Napanee. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful property. You know, the, the barns have been there since at least 87, but they're old. They're 100-year-old barns. There's a round barn there, which is mm -hmm. the theater. And round barn uh, theater. It, it, yeah. Have exactly. you been there? Well, you know how you like to poke fun at me many times because I hosted a lifestyle show yes. years ago. I did many, many segments. Are from you saying Amish that Acres. I, Rob Kendall, uh -huh. would poke fun at you, Casey Daniels, because you spent <laughs> seven hours a day on your hair and makeup uh -huh. for a thirty-minute uh, television? Hit. Yeah. But Marlon, uh, you mentioned that you know you were a farmer, a truck driver, a restaurant theater owner. All of these things to me have an element of service. Yeah. to them service towards others so what sort of thing in that area do you want to bring to people in the third district it's looking out for the american people you know i, I did serve in washington for six years and what i found there are there's too many people from top to bottom bureaucrats politicians that are out to serve themselves and their cronies and um and i think that's why donald trump is so popular because the american people believe that he's looking out for the average Joe. And that's that's where I came from. I, you know, I, I grew up on a farm. I love farming. Uh, but, you know, I also knew that I wanted to do more. We're in manufacturing. We're in the restaurant business. So it's one of those 
we're in those sectors that you just have to get out and get the job done. And uh, and that's the way I look at politics as well. And, and right now, since Washington is so broken, uh, it's going to take people that are willing to go fix it and not get caught up in the traps that Washington has. And, and I know those traps. In fact, I, I was booted out of there because I fought those traps. Yeah, and, and I will say this. Like, it, was, it was incredibly interesting to go around this. That is the first time I'd really it would have been a while since I had worked on a campaign when the first campaign ever that I worked on but it'd been a while and then certainly the size of the US Senate to see how much the establishment hated Marlin because he was willing whether it was spending or these other tough issues to buck the trend and it made me sad when you lost that U.S. Senate race because it was like, okay, now no, not only do I have you in the Senate, we don't have you in Congress because there's not enough of these people. And you look at the direction of the Republican Party the past eight years since you left Congress, there's there's not many people out there that are willing to, to, to make those hard votes, Marlon. And, and the sad thing, Rob, is that it's just common sense. I mean, I was on the budget committee, and we, the federal government continually spends about a trillion dollars more than what comes in. Yeah. And so where does that go? It goes to the debt. And so it, to me, it's just common sense. And, and that's what I is just lacking so much in Washington is just that, you know, if we would follow the American family and how they handle their budget, how they handle their priorities, we would be in a much better position. Uh, what are you doing down here today? Because the third district, that's like Fort Wayne. You head south a little bit. You are way far away from home. You and Micah Beckwith are doing something today, right? What are you guys doing? That's a t that's a gruesome twosome. When when Micah calls, you know, I'm like, yeah. where? Okay, sure. <laughs> well, so yeah, no, I, I'm coming down. You know, meeting with some other friends, um, and uh, Micah calls up and says, "Hey, I've got an event at Grace College, so we're, I'm going to turn around." And uh, head back north after this, <laughs> but uh, any ch any chance I get to come in and see you, Rob, yeah, I'd like to come in and see you. Marlon, always... I do want to ask you something. Um, you know, you had mentioned that you were on the budget committee, and there's this new report that came out that said uh, 7.3 million migrants have yeah. illegally crossed the southern border, which is a number that's greater than the population of 36 individual states. Yes. And if all of those people got together and founded or formed a new city, it would be the second largest city in America. And if you include all of the gotaways into that as well, mm. that city would be bigger than New York. But many people in Indiana think, well, this doesn't affect me. This has nothing to do with us. And especially maybe in northern Indiana, in the Fort Wayne area, that this is not something that needs to be addressed. You know, it's unbelievable. In fact, I went down to the border uh, in Yuma, Arizona, a couple of weeks ago, mm -hmm. and it's a humanitarian crisis. It's not only a crisis for our country, because just like you said, 7 million people, that's larger than the state of Indiana. Correct. I mean, that's a whole new state. And, uh, and the fact is that what happens is they come up to the border from wherever, you know, they're coming from China, they're coming from South America, they're coming from the Middle East, and they, uh, they ironically, they have to pay $250 for a photo ID to get through Mexico. So Mexico's crossing, you know, charging them toll to come across Mexico. They get to the border, they shred all of their documentation, they walk around the end of the uh, the, the, the the Trump wall and they come out and sit on the, the the roadway there where the border patrol patrols and they sit there and wait. Some of them even go ahead and order uh, Uber Eats to bring <laughs> food out to them. 
and but they don't have any ID on them because they don't want any. They want to walk into the processing center there in Yuma or whichever border town you're in, and that way they get a whole new start in life. We have no idea who these people are. They could make up, a, they are, I'm sure, making up a name because they don't want it to be tracked back to wherever and get deported. So it, this is a humanitarian crisis. The other thing is women are being raped at the border as their final payment for being brought to the border. Mm. And so this is this is where people need to go down there and actually see how bad it is because this is not a... Unfortunately, Democrats are making this a political football. It's not a, a, a political football. And uh, also, they're they're shuffling all of the illegals into Texas and Arizona, which tells us that the Democrats want to make this about politics so they can shift those two states to become Democrat states eventually. Marlon Stutzman is our guest. He's running again for Congress in the 3rd Congressional District. There's like 93 people running for Congress against you. Indiana, we've got there's a lot of <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of people running for Congress. And you know what? It, it's all okay. I like competition. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the more the merrier. We've got we've been out on the campaign trail now for almost a year since Jim Banks announced he's running for the Senate. Yeah. And uh, it's it's good. And I think my experience in Congress, my experience in business and the private sector are really going to bode me well. What's your wife say about it? Because your wife was in the state house for a couple of years and she saw the cesspool and she got so mad. She just said, I got to get out of here before I jump off a tall building. I mean, so what's she say about this? Because you've done this before. She's done this. Aren't you sick of having to deal with other people's crap? Well, but if you remember, Rob, <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> but if you remember, she left because it was 2020. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I, I, I'm not a theater. I can't run a theater. Gee, I guess we found out whose <laughs> idea was to buy the theater, Casey. <laughs> well, it, really, know. it made a lot of sense because I like producing food. I wanted to do a farm-to-table yeah. restaurant, and so it was the theater. So we were suckers. Yeah. And uh, But uh, I told her, I said, Christy, I can't do this. And I said, one of them's got to go. And uh, and we just really believed that it was important for her to come back home and, and run the theater. And, uh, and so she got criticized for it. But you know what? I'm glad she did it because we are still in business. Yeah. Those jobs are still there, and we're still uh, you know, producing good quality family productions for Hoosiers. Well, man, I, I hope it goes well for you because you are truly one of the good guys, and there are very few – I mean, people are just falling off their chairs right now hearing me say something nice about a politician. <laughs> but you, you are. You're one of the good guys, and being around you that year – I saw how you took hard stances that politically weren't the right ones to take. And I'll never forget this, and we'll let Marlon go, but we're in the car. We did something in Greencastle, I think, and he's on the phone with Mark Levin. And Mark <laughs> Levin is just, like, telling Marlon what a great guy he is. And I'm sitting right behind Marlon in the backseat, like, he's talking to Mark Levin. <laughs> yeah. Mark Levin says he's great. You got that stamp of approval. Yeah. It's all right, huh? Hey, Marlon, yes. if you want to know more, because it matters. Like, yeah. you you in, in, in the North, East portion of the state have the same sway as people in Indiana, once uh, Central Indiana, once they get to Congress. People want to know more about you and what you're doing with your run for Congress. How can they do that? Yeah, check our website out at gomarlin.com. We're on all the social media platforms. Our district, actually, the third district, comes down all the way down to Winchester, across over by wow. uh, the Ohio line. So it's it comes down into your media market, and uh, um, I would just ask that you know folks reach out. This is an important election. Uh, it's critical because uh, our country we are we are not at a crossroads anymore. We're on the cliff ready to go over. Yeah. And so uh, that's why how important this election is. All right, so just hear me out, and then we'll let you go. All right. Okay, you win this congressional election. <laughs> yes. And then 2028, we could have the Marlon Stutzman-Todd Young rematch, and we could set the world right and put it back on its axis, and everything would be whole again. 
I'm I'm gonna pass on that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? I I think there's a lot to be done in the House. You know, look at Jim Jordan, who's actually supporting our campaign. Yeah, Rand Paul is a, a great friend. He's supporting our campaign. Uh, there's a lot that can be done uh, from the Indiana Third District. It's a leadership district. It's a really a place where you can lead, and that's what I plan to do. All right, Marlon Sutzman, you're the best. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Great to it's, be with you. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Good morning. It is 1135. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Still feel like you're paying more for everything in your life? Well, guess what? You are. What? High, high inflation. Still squeezing your budget. I saw this report and I was fascinated by it. Inflation costing Americans an extra $1,100 a month. A month. A month. A month. Compared to three years ago. That's now, crazy. Now listen to this. So this is the typical U.S. household. Needed an extra $213 more a month this past January to purchase the same goods and services that it did a year ago. That's crazy. And you need an extra $605 a month compared to this same time two years ago. And you need an extra $1,019 compared to three years ago. And and the the just the really, really bad part of all this is the numbers are so great that you can't work your way out of it. Like, you can't go, oh, I'm just going to get a part-time job and that'll take care of it. I mean, I guess theoretically, if you're willing to work an extra 30, 40 hours a week, you could probably pull it off. But many people just simply can't do that, either through a need for child care or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it might be. And, I mean, you've just got just a really crisis point in this in this country brought on by our government. We did this to ourselves. We as a society allowed government to do this to us. You look at the shutting down of society, you look at the money printing, you look at the inability long past COVID, you know, being some earth-changing event that the governments have not stopped spending the money. And we keep doing this to ourselves. And so this is affecting everything, your groceries, your rent. You mentioned a good one, the child care, that's going up. Insurance has gone up and of course gasoline. And Jason, I know you gave me that number uh, a few minutes ago and now I can't find oh the average cost of gasoline here I have it. Uh nationwide the average cost of a gallon of gasoline $3.11 here in Indiana $3.26. And and so to go back to what we talked about government is the primary cause of the difference on that. We have one of the highest gas taxes in the nation and as a result you pay more for the pump which blows my mind how in a Republican primary how that is not the number one thing those other five people running against Mike Braun are hitting him on. I mean, that is something you can look at and run an ad on and say, you pay more at the pump because of Mike Braun, Mm -hmm. and he's offered no explanation for it, and yet nobody seems to want to tackle him on this gas tax thing, which is a made-for issue in a Republican primary, Casey, a made-for issue. The guy is the front-runner, and he voted for the largest tax increase in the history of the state, and other than this radio show, you haven't heard boo about it from anyone. And if you think about this, the last time you spent this much money on your food, I mean, we've talked a lot about the coupons yeah. and Subway, and that's because you're trying to lower the cost of the food that yes. you're consuming. 
It's been 30 years since food ate up this much of your income. And uh, the Wall Street Journal came out with a new report. The last time you spent this much on food... George H.W. Bush was in office, Terminator 2 Judgment Day was in theaters, and CNC Music Factory was rocking the charts musically. Now, this is this is like comparative to income, right? Percentage-based, yeah. yes, compared to how much you make. It's been 30 years since you have spent this much on food this is, from and, your income. And this is the question that Americans should be asking themselves as they decide on who they're going to vote on this year is – how does this end? Like, how does this end well for you? And the answer is it doesn't. But the bigger problem is in a place like Indiana, and we just had Marlon Stutzman mm-hmm. on. He's running in a Republican primary. Whoever wins that primary is going to be the winner of that congressional seat. If someone like Marlon Stutzman wins that primary, you know based on his track record, he will go to Washington and he will fight hard for you. He will cast hard votes. That's reason the reason people like Rand Paul have endorsed him. Rand Paul doesn't like the Republican Party. He endorses people who will fight for what's right. But in these other districts, if you send a total turd like Jim Baird back to Washington, D.C., <laughs> then you, the, the votes basically cancel each other out. You've got to get these primaries right. That's why the governor's primary is so important. It's why the lieutenant governor's election is going to be so important at the convention. If you get a MICA in there, it doesn't matter who the governor is. If Micah's in there as lieutenant governor, you will have someone with a bully pulpit to be a check and balance right. on that governor. It doesn't matter whether it's Braun, Curtis, whoever, you have a vested interest in it. These state house races, Rod Bray has a primary uh, competitor this year. If people rally behind the person who's challenging Rod Bray, even if he sucks, I don't know, is he good, bad? I don't know, but I know Rod Bray's awful. If you at least make Rod Bray have to earn it inside the Republican primary, he's probably going to win because he'll have infinite money. But if you make him have to earn it and go out and work for votes and be held accountable, then maybe you'll get a better result this time. But if you just roll over and vote dead and the guy gets 70% play dead and the guy gets 70% of the vote, then he's just going to keep believing he's invincible. You have In Indiana, you have to fix this in the primary. You have to stop just voting for people based on name and make people earn your vote. Well, on a national level, your president is bringing out his creepy whisper again. And the economy is oh, growing. God. It's growing. Jobs, income, across the board. We have the most advanced economy of any major nation in the world. Why are you whispering at me? By the way, overall prices are up 18%, and you've taken a 2.5% pay cut. Now, it's kind of okay when you do it, Casey. Really? I mean, okay? I'm not saying you could start a business doing that, but it, you might want to consider that. <laughs> what kind of business would I that mean, be? Well, I'm just, look, I'm saying this is a family-oriented <laughs> program. I'm just throwing out, because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we're talking about inflation, and how do you work your way out of inflation? Mm-hmm. By getting a second job? Well, I'm just saying this. You could be an entrepreneur. <laughs> Um, he was asked, uh, back to Joe Biden, he was asked if he was worried about, uh, you know, getting called out for the student loan debt transfer. Check out his answer on this. He didn't have a worry at all. He was asked, are you worried that the student loan transfer is going to get shut down in court? I don't have a worry at all. Not one single worry. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, Abdul is going to be with us, and we are going to continue this deep dive on the unbelievable story involving Gabe Whitley. And if anybody knows about Gabe Whitley, it is Abdul. Those guys have been going at it for basically two years now. That The Gabe Whitley story is just 
I want to use a word other than unbelievable, but that's mm-hmm. the the word I keep coming back to. Like, how does this even happen? Abdul's next on 93 WIBC. show i'm rob casey's here and oh look who it is i can't think of a better way to wrap up our show today he's an author he's a broadcaster he's an attorney and he's the owner and operator of indiepolitics.org the one and only abdul keep shabazz hello good morning sir all right so uh, look you and i have been waiting a long time to talk about this <laughs> and because um, uh, we've been dealing with this guy in the legal system for quite a while now but of course i'm talking about gabe whitley that big article came out yesterday at the indiana capital chronicle and Man, what an expose they did on this guy. Of course, Gabe Whitley is running as a Republican in the 7th Congressional District, and it involves accusations um, of excessive campaign contributions and fraudulent finance reporting. When you read that article yesterday, I'm just kind of curious what your initial thoughts were having known and dealt with this guy for about two years now. Well, here's what's interesting. I was actually working on the same story uh, that the folks at Capitol Chronicle were working on. Uh, but because of uh, my previous legal involvement, legal attachments uh, with Mr. Whitley, and the fact he also filed a disciplinary uh, complaint against me with the disciplinary commission, I was like, you know what? We'll let the Capitol Chronicle just sort of take the lead on this one, and I'll just republish whatever they, whatever they do. So I was not surprised at anything that I read. I I, I was surprised at this though. Uh, if you're gonna, my mother used to have the saying. She always got mad when we said when you can't even do wrong right. <laughs> <laughs> and everything that's been alleged in the Capitol Chronicle complaint, it's like, okay, wait a second here. You, you, okay, if you're going to file a, a alleged fraudulent campaign finance report, at least make it look like you're doing it for real. For example, make sure you have you know, at least a couple donors who actually exist. Or if you're going to say people gave you money, make sure it's within the campaign finance limits because there's only so much you can give in a primary and a general election as individuals. And he oh, exceeded all that. And then number three, why would somebody from Texas or Southern Florida or friggin' Bangladesh give money to a candidate, to a Republican candidate in the seventh congressional district? Mm-hmm. None, of, none of it made sense. Now, and here, and this is what's so interesting about this. And, and we talked with this with Jim Merritt on State House Happenings. And then we got into a little bit earlier in the show with our, our segment with him. He's been around forty years by the time as a senator, and then obviously he's working in politics. He said he's never seen anything like what Gabe Whitley is accused of in the 40 years he's been around the state house. That's really saying something. If Jim Merritt hasn't seen it, that's really saying something. Let me put it this way. I'm from Illinois, and I've never seen an (laughs) Illinois politician try to do something like this. Uh, Abdul's our guest. We're talking about this uh, article in the Indiana Capital Chronicle yesterday involving Gabe Whitley, this guy running for Congress who has uh, alleged well, a whole bunch of things, including excessive campaign contributions and fraudulent finance reporting. Casey. I'm just wondering, uh, he goes by honest, Gabe. Is that a, uh, a clue to you? You're a lawyer. You've been doing this a long time. When someone says they're honest, is that kind of is that is that a tell? Well, like Honest John's used car dealership, right? Or Honest Honest Rob's elixir of life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when, when someone, someone's got to tell you that they're honest, they're probably not, or there's probably an issue in there too. Well, and what was interesting? Go ahead, Casey. I, I was the, the real question I wanted to ask you, Abdul. So there's been multiple complaints against him. Is there going to be like a priority over which complaint is addressed first? Um, I think they just basically take them in the order that they get. How okay. serious? How serious the complaint is? 
if, if it's if it's a complaint where he forgot to check off this box, okay, that's more of a ministerial thing. But if it's fraudulent, you know, campaign finance reporting, that tends to go to the top of the list. Because I, I want to say in Indiana, I don't think anybody, most of the challenges that happen at the Indiana Election Division are either either didn't get the signatures or petitions or somebody forgot to fill out the proper form. But I have yet to, I've never seen anyone commit alleged fraud on this massive a scale. On this scale. Right. Well, and this is what's interesting was his responses to the Capitol Chronicle. Because if you read that article in the Capitol Chronicle, he basically blames me mm-hmm. for everything. Now, we had a previous legal entanglement with Gabe, but I don't have anything to do with your campaign finance reports. And I thought it was interesting that when they pressed him on the donors, if wouldn't you be saying, yeah, here's this guy. Here's how you contact him. You know, here's his email address. Here, you know, here's where you find him. The the Spencer McDaniel guy who uh, all sorts of posts about what great friends they are. Yeah, wouldn't he be coming forward? And none of this has happened yet. Maybe he's saving it for a rainy day. But if you know you're, there's going to be an article coming out about you, wouldn't you be providing all of that evidence to thwart the story? And I wouldn't be blaming my camp, I quote unquote, my campaign finance company that i hired well i hired this company and they made all the donations so that's just they're they're to blame not me really seriously please give me a freaking break uh abdul is our guest we're talking about the story that came out yesterday in the indiana capitol chronicle involving uh, gabe whitley a seventh congressional district candidate running on the republican side trying to run against andre carson and this just incredible piece they did on him and look here, here's the thing and we talked about this yesterday uh this this article stems from complaints filed by my wife uh, with the Indian Election Division. Mrs. And the, AI? <laughs> yeah, that's what he called. Is that what he, I heard that's what he called, called her, her yesterday. Your AI wife. <laughs> she's very real, and she's very beautiful and very wonderful. Uh, the Indian Election Division and the Federal Election Commission. And she spent countless hours on this. And she did it because... With our previous legal entanglements, she kind of became aware of this guy. Look, she was having a baby and birthing a baby through most of our entanglement with this guy. But once she got past that, she's like, I want to know more about this guy. And when you, she started looking into him, she's like, there must be a logical answer for this. There, there must be something we're missing. And every rock she would turn over, there just wasn't a logical answer for it, which ultimately resulted in these complaints because... It's just unbelievable. And, the, and and she deserves all the credit for the amount of time she put into this because she was a concerned citizen who said, we need answers to this stuff. And and here's the thing. I always think it's interesting that uh, Whitley is blaming the messenger. Like, no, it's not Gabriel Kendall. It's not Rob Kendall. The problem, sir, is you and your, and your alleged fraudulent campaign finance reports. Now, if there's nothing wrong, if you did everything above board, then... Call call up call up your donors. Let, let let us see who they are, and and so so that's kind of point number one. But you're still in trouble on the campaign on the on the on the do, on the donor amounts, which is why, like I said once again, it, it's annoying when you can't do wrong right. If if you're going to lie and cheat and steal, at least do it the right way, and I'll respect you. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned that not only is he blaming blaming Gabrielle and Rob, he seems to be blaming this uh, what Save the USA group. And also someone named Spencer. Um, 
<laughs> well, let's talk about Save the USA and let's talk about. First well, of all, well, right. I mean, are these people or that organization going to be responsible in any way, or for, does first, this for, all fall on Gabe Whitley's shoulders? First of all, uh, nothing really happened to Spencer McDaniel because I have a theory that Spencer McDaniel does not exist, or if he does exist, he exists only in the voice in Gabe Whitley's head. Well, this is what, because Nikki Kelly was on with Hammer and Nigel yesterday, and they asked her, and of course, she's a great reporter, and she's only going to stick to the facts, but they asked her, they said, is this an Andy Kaufman-type situation mm-hmm. where, you know, Gabe Whitley and Spencer McDaniel are the same guy? And she simply said, look, we can't find a record this guy exists. We reached out to the Facebook page of Spencer McDaniel. We got no response. We did reverse image searches on his profile photos. They come back to, you know, like, you know, celebrity people. Mm-hmm. So they said, we just can't find a record this guy exists. You draw your own conclusion from this and that's the same thing we've found over the past two years right yeah exactly uh matter of fact when we uh filed litigation uh against gabe and spencer mcdaniel and uh young conservative of southern indiana uh the case was whitley was dismissed as a defendant because uh they said that he didn't necessarily write the defamatory stuff okay which is fine but we, i've been trying to get uh service of process on spencer mcdaniel forever and i can't find him anywhere and so once again when in the end, Capital Chronicle did the did the match. Like you know what, that makes absolute perfect sense. Is that Spencer McDaniel uh, only exists in Whitley's head? And it's somewhat like some of these donors that they were unable to locate. Exactly. They're, they're figments of somebody's overact- underworked body and overactive imagination. Well, and, and here's the other thing that people need to realize. So my wife obviously filed these complaints. And again, you guys both know my wife. She is the most private person in the world. She is never a person who would seek fame. And I think she struggled with this because she knew once this report became public, they would have her name attached to it. But she felt so strongly about the information that she had found that she felt she had to go forward with this um, complaint and I just think when you look at this whole thing, one of the things people need to realize is one of the things she uncovered as she was investigating Gabe Whitley, the FEC was already aware of this guy, and they had already written to him about some of these donations and trying to get information and seek clarification. So they he was already on their radar far before she started looking into this guy. How long does it take for them to investigate? As long As long as it takes. There's no there's no real timeline on uh, when an, when an investigation has to be uh, completed. Unfortunately, so this could the election could happen before this investigation is over. Yes, he could be the nominee for Congress running against Andre Carson. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and well, I, it's a good thing I guess the article came out so that voters know uh, what's going on. Yeah, he'll be the nominee for Congress when I'm the Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. <laughs> hey, what's coming? Are you working Saturday? Uh. He doesn't even know it's Thursday. Do you have a show Saturday? Yes. That's Abdul's world. Maybe. Uh, no, I, 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 no I, don't, I don't think I have a show this Saturday. No, no, I have a show next Saturday, but not this Saturday. What are we working on at IndiePolitics.org then? There, how about that? Uh, it is the uh, legislature getting ready to wind down. they got a couple weeks left, so we're just kind of going through some of the smaller, uh, some of the items that are still out there uh, in the legislature. And also... Uh, uh, did an interview uh, with our friends at School Choice, and we'll be talking to them this week. All right. Uh, you're the best. Abdul Akeem Shabazz. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. And that's going to do it for us today. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Jason. And thank you for listening. Tony Katz is up next. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.